This is my favorite time of year, though. I love some Thanksgiving because, again, Thanksgiving, okay, we got to be real with this in some ways. What, what, are, what are some of the things that Thanksgiving revolves around, okay? That would be a chicken. There you go. We've got food. Can I get some amens? Like, revival's already happening. All right. Can I get some family? You're like, that could be an amen or an oh my. Okay. But then there's another F in there. Foundry. Foundry. You. Foosball, right? You got foosball, Bobby. Everybody loves football, okay? It's one of those things that you, you get your turkey on, right? You know what I'm saying? And then all of a sudden you find yourself like nodding a little bit, and all of a sudden there's this sound in the back that's, you know, the guy talking about the game kind of thing. And all of a sudden you hear some hits, you hear some clunk, and then you're just out. You're out. The turkey coma is in full effect. You know what I'm saying? It is Thanksgiving. Favorite holiday, we always bypass it. You've heard me say this before. A lot of times we skip right to Christmas. I'm looking on Facebook this week. People are putting up Christmas stuff already. If you have, I will not judge you. But come on. Can we get some turkey first kind of thing, right? Okay, anybody who's already decorated for Christmas, raise your hand if you did. Charles, just try. Elisa, bless your heart. See, she's in the middle of nesting. She's pregnant. She can't help it. She's got Christmas decorations up, Easter decorations up. she got everything done for the next year, all right, kind of thing. Let's just be real. Trust me, I know about nesting, not personally, but when Kara did, I was outside painting something. And p.m. at night, you got to get it done. I'm like, he's not here yet, kind of thing. Calm down, you know, and um, go inside. You can't breathe the fumes, kind of thing. But um, we're, in the, we're in the middle of a series on gratitude, on, on giving thanks, and an understanding of thanksgiving. And um, this series has been probably one of the hardest series to mine in a lot of ways. When I say mine, to, to pull out of my life, but also to make applicable to our lives because we live in a world that is void of thanksgiving, if you think about it. We live in a world that is void of a sense of gratitude. And we know when we talk about gratitude, it's defined as a noun, it's a thing, and it's this thing that we can't pinpoint sometimes, we can't understand, we can't grab a hold of it, we can be like, something is off, something is great, that thing over there is nuts, we need to cast a demon out of that thing, talking about a kid. You know, the thing, I'm a father of three, it happens, okay? Either drop kick or cast out, doesn't matter, okay? But things that's what gratitude's about, and a lot of times it revolves around how things are, what things we have, or what things we do not things. And it's hard for us sometimes to have an attitude of gratitude in the midst of when things are just not right. Can you agree? Last week, we talked about that through it all kind of gratitude and everything given things kind of thing. When you looked at Joseph's life, wow, that tanked, right? If you were here, you listened to it on the podcast, you know what I'm talking about. That dude threw it all, which was a lot, right? Pit, remember we went to the pit, Potiphar's house, that was fun, prison, finally to the palace, but all along the way, there was all kinds of stuff that he dealt with, all kinds of things that would zap his gratitude in a moment's notice. And one of the things he did through it all was kept his focus on God, the God of everything, and in the end, learned how important it is to have gratitude. He had the opportunity to forgive or not, and the end of it all, what did he do? He extended forgiveness to his family. Remember, they were the ones that were really excited about getting to bow down to their little brother. Do you remember that? They were like, oh, great, the dreamer's here again. Let's kill him kind of thing. But in the end, he did not speak, live, or do anything out of wrath, but extended forgiveness, an attitude of gratitude, an attitude of thanksgiving, an attitude of being 
thankful. So here we are today on our third installment, getting ready for Thanksgiving. Again, I'm so pumped for it. I'm excited to maybe hopefully relax a little bit, to have some fun, but I'm also super uber excited to pass out some hot chocolate to love on some folks. But where are we going this week? What are we going to think about? What, where's our heart going to set? And I think about this. When I was thinking about Thanksgiving, I was thinking about preparing for, for this message, and, and I felt like God just did one of those quick downloads, like, boom. You ever have those kind of moments where you're thinking about something, you're praying about something, and right away he deposits something in your heart. And he said to me, set the table, right? Think about it. With Thanksgiving, don't we get excited to get everybody around the table? hopefully, um, you know, because that's when that cousin, always picture the cousin in um, Christmas vacation who comes home kind of thing. Oh, you're here. Man, growing up, that's about, that's what it was like in the Myers house, okay? It was like, oh, you're here. Great. I'm so thankful kind of thing. And you were just waiting for it just to blow up and you were waiting for what was going to happen next. But I think about it with Thanksgiving. I think about in our lives, we set the table in preparation, don't we? We set the table for what's going to happen when we put that big bird down there and corn pudding. Mm, I didn't eat breakfast. Um, you put down that corn pudding like Meemaw used to make. Come on, somebody. Revival right here. You know, and I never was into the cranberry sauce thing. That's not my gig. I don't know why. And it's like out of a can. No, that's not good kind of thing, right? But I think about, you know, that, that broccoli casserole, green bean casserole, any type of casserole to add to the roll. I'm down with that. I set the table. I got the, got the plates in place, got all the decorations, and we're just waiting for everybody to show up, waiting for everybody to show up. When I thought about setting the table and God put that in my heart, he brought to, 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 to my thinking the portion of Scripture where you see Jesus setting the table, the Last Supper, with his fellows, his disciples. And you think about uh, this, this moment when he literally set the table for the rest of his life, and their lives too. Do you understand what I'm saying? It gets deeper, okay? He set the table in preparation and he began to teach them some lessons from the Last Supper. He began to talk to them and he began to walk with them in some key things that they didn't quite get before, but now was becoming oh so very real to them. Do you understand what I'm saying? He was setting the table for them to, regardless, through it all, whatever happens in your life, to maintain an attitude of gratitude, a sense of thanksgiving, because things are about to hit the fan. Can we be real? Do you know what I'm talking about? Imagine again, you sit at the table when you have everybody around, depending upon who they are, where they come from, and what they bring with them, not the dish on the table, but what's in their hearts and what's in their lives. Things are about to get real. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, our key verse, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus, to give thanks in all things. This is where we're going to camp, you know, again today and then also next week coming up to finish off this time of thanksgiving. But it's very hard, and you think in light of this table setting for Jesus and his disciples to maintain an attitude of gratitude, a sense of thanksgiving. Let's take a look at John 13, 1, and we'll start from there. It was just before the Passover feast, and Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own, that's where his disciples, who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. 
the full extent of his love. And this is what's important for us to understand. As Jesus sets the table, he sets the table for this type of love and the full extent of his love and that these guys will grow to understand this love and also carry this type of love out as they fall. What happened? So as we get these lessons from the Last Supper, as we set the table, we want to understand what happens when we follow Jesus. And there's just a few things I want to give you this morning. A few things of what will happen when we truly follow Jesus. The number one thing is this. When we follow Jesus, we find our way. We find our way. And you're like, what does that mean? Of course, there's a little ellipsis there because you know there's that, but wait, there's more kind of thing, right? When we follow Jesus, we find our way. Let me guys ask you this. Are any of you like me that you get lost often? Anybody get lost often if you're not, you know, listening to Siri or your wife um, or your husband kind of thing? It may be opposite. I'm one of those guys that, man, I'm, I'm pretty bad sometimes. I'll take the same road and be like, was that the way I was supposed to go? And Kara's like, no, it's the other one. Oh, that's why I have you. Okay. Many other reasons too. Great mother, all that kind of stuff too. But I would be lost right? I would be lost. I would not know my way at any point in time. And you think about the gravity of the situation with Jesus and his disciples. Okay, now remember, this is the beginning of the end for them. This is the understanding that this is the last supper. What does that mean? Things are going to drastically change in your lives, disciples, and in mine, being Jesus kind of thing. Okay? Um, you are going to a place or going to go through things that you've never experienced before and you will feel as though you have lost your way. Think about it. Can you imagine, okay, imagine this, and you guys know what this is like, just put it in your context, that you've done life with somebody for three years. Done life meaning you ate together, you went fishing together, you were like camping together. Okay, that's, what, that's how I picture Jesus hanging with his buddies kind of thing, right? I would have loved to hang out with those guys. That would have been so much fun. You're just like grabbing fish, finding money in their mouth and stuff. This is awesome. It's like, oh, that, their hand's gone. There it is again. Jesus, you know, kind of just doing life together. Can you imagine how much fun that would be, right? You're like, I don't know. That might be a little scary. Yeah, because you also didn't have a place to lay your head, you know, because when, when you follow after him, you, everything has totally changed. And in some ways, you may feel as though you lost your way, but when you're with him, you know you're okay. And he says this to his disciples, John 14, 1, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. When you look at the, the, the interpretation of this word troubled in the Greek, it's a lack of calmness, restlessness, even commotion. Okay? If you do have, or maybe some of you work in a daycare kind of situation, um, or maybe a place where there's a lot of children, or even like a lot of middle schoolers, or okay, just people, period. Okay? You get in a situation and then everything starts getting into trouble. Commotion starts. You know what I'm saying by that? Everybody gets, this one starts talking louder and this one has to beat that one. So they start talking louder and then all of a sudden it's like, ah, we are in trouble. This is a crazy situation. For the disciples in their lives, their trouble was different. Think about it. Everything they ever knew, lives, at least for the last three years, and really everything they ever knew from that point on because he changed their whole thinking, their whole lives, was different. They were in trouble. They were in trouble. And, and Jesus knew this. He said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Because what he wants to do is take and turn our hearts from a place of trouble to a place of faith. 
And that's what's so key. That's what's so key for us to understand is to, to grab a hold of faith. What is that? Persuasion toward belief in God versus oneself. I will always fail you. You will always fail you. But God will never, never fail us. That's so hard to grab a hold of, isn't it, though? Because I'm troubled. Everything I've ever known with you, Jesus, has fallen apart. I am in trouble. And he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. How do we make it through troubling, difficult times? By reinvigorating that faith in Jesus and what he did. This is what I love about Thanksgiving. This is what makes me so, so, so grateful in this time. I am so grateful for the redemption of Jesus Christ, what he did for my life. Because literally, downward spiral to setting me up, right, on level ground so that I can walk again, so that I don't have to be in trouble because in and of myself, I was in trouble, right? Trouble, trouble. Isn't there a song with that? I'll go with it. How do we make it? By reinvigorating our faith. John 14, 6 through 7, comes after a, a moment when uh, Jesus is talking with his disciples. He says, I'm going to go somewhere. And they're like, where are you going to go? I don't, I don't understand this. Is this like some other place? Is this some, where do you mean you're going to be leaving? Where are you going? Where are you going? I don't get it. Jesus answered this, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do, you do know him and have seen him. And you think about this. Jesus is saying, I'm done here. In essence, they're saying, you're done with me? This is it? It's done? All this time we spent together, all this stuff, you were supposed to build this kingdom. You were supposed to be a king here. You were supposed to overthrow Rome. You were supposed to do, you're done? You're leaving? I don't get it. I, I feel troubled. I don't understand this situation. He was changing things up for them so that they would be and understand that they had to depend on him. Reinvigorating their faith, building new faith in. John 14, 9 through 11, this is the answer to Philip. Talking about showing us the Father. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. They were troubled. They were hurting. They needed a Savior. They thought their Savior was leaving forever, never to be back again. That this whole thing was, you know, can you imagine what they were going through in their minds? And he set the table for them so that they could grow to know the Father better. John 14, 12 through 14, I'll tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me, and I love this, will do what I've been doing Actually, he will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. A lot of this seems kind of heady in some ways, but it's an understanding of this. If we don't go through troubled times, we won't understand our source of strength. Jesus was setting these guys up for a person who was going to come after Jesus. 
And we know about this, and you hear about him in just a moment. But it's so key for us to understand that he has a sovereign plan and that his plan will work out according to his plan. The disciples were seeing this now. Setting the stage for our belief that we can do greater things. Now, this is a big deal. A lot of us think, how can you do greater things than Jesus? Have you ever thought about that when you've read that portion of Scripture? How can I, 100% man, do greater things than Jesus did, 100% God and 100% man? Who am I? Who are you? Think of it that way. God is setting the stage in your life for you to do amazing things. And that isn't just some self-help speech kind of thing. I'm going to go out today and do amazing things, you know. Good luck. You might look like a circus freak, if you especially go out saying that. Amazing things for everyone kind of thing. No, not so much. He's setting the stage a little different for us with an understanding that the only way these greater things will happen as we follow Jesus is when we find someone else, the Spirit of God. John 14, 15 through 17, the first part of that. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. You obey what I command. Of course, we know about the top 10 list, right? It's like David Letterman, but it's from God, and it was on stone. So a little bit more important, okay? But the top 10 list, the top 10 commandments, right, that was delivered to old Mo up on the hill. Do you remember that? It's kind of important that you don't kill somebody. Just sidebar. Okay, it's probably not a good idea to covet your neighbor's wife, his tractor, his car, his house. Just fill in the blank. It's just you, don't, you shouldn't want what he has. Be happy with what you got. It's kind of stealing is probably not a good idea. Um, try it. See what happens. I'll, I'll come get you out. But no, it's not a good idea. Putting anybody or anything before God is a terrible idea. Okay. So Jesus is like, look, I know about the law of old Mo, okay? I know what God gave him, okay? Let, let me bold this. Love the Lord. You remember this in Matthew 22, 37 through 40. Disciples, hear me on this. Love the Lord God, right, with everything in you, basically. Everything you've got, every fiber of your being, and you can read this, everything you've got, that's first and foremost, but then love your neighbor as yourself, but we see even more in this very moment as Jesus is spending time with his disciples, as he set the table and he's given them some lessons from the Last Supper, he says this, it's even more important. A new command I give you, love one another. By this, right, how you love each other is how people will know who he is and who he is in you. He boiled it down even more. Now think about this. Think about a world that would be filled with love. Literally, think about it. Think about what we're going through right now with terrorism everywhere, everywhere. Many different shapes, forms, and sizes. Imagine a world without that. Imagine a world, you're like, I don't even want to try. It's not worth it. Why is it worth it? Why not? Imagine a world where you literally loved your neighbor just as you loved yourself, that you would take their trash out for them just like you'd take your own out, that you would mow their lawn for them. This is your literal neighbor. But how about your, your neighbor that's beside you at work, that you would love them just as you love yourself, so much so, hey, I got you some lunch today. What? That's weird. You're like, yeah, I know you're gluten-free too. You know, that can happen. Good Lord. What? You even remembered my allergy. It's like, yes, bless you. We deal with this. You know how that goes. Or... I got you your favorite coffee from fill in the blank because I don't want to cause any problems. 
It's in a holiday cup, just said it. <laughs> Kidding. Who cares? Make money, Starbucks. Have fun. I'll still drink it. I'll drink it all. I just like it. I need it now. I'm kidding. But can you imagine, though, a world that was so filled with love that it would change everything we know? Jesus was, was giving them a lesson from the Last Supper here in just a few words. Imagine if you guys just loved everyone, loved one another. What would it look like? Now, of course, we know having the whole New Testament and the Gospels and how all this played out for them, what was coming ahead was going to make it pretty hard for them to love. You think about it. When they think about and when they see finally everybody, uh, what they are doing to their Savior, to their friend, the one they followed for so long, you want me to love them? You want me to follow? Love one another. Jesus said this, John 14, 23 through 27. If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and, he, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. The Holy Spirit is someone that will come in your life, counsel you, walk with you, remind you of things that have been said before. Let me ask you, if you look through the Gospels, do you see how there's a continuity within the texts? That there's, uh, there's some things that you see in most of them together? How do you think that happened? The Holy Spirit reminded them of what Jesus did. Like for us, we need this. Don't you need to be reminded sometimes of, of who God is and what he's done in your life? I know I sure do. Because when I look around, I don't see that. I don't see the love of God all around me. So when I look around, I have to be reminded of what he's done before and what he can do again. I have to be reminded that I'm not alone in this journey as I paced around this room yesterday. Praying in the spirit. Just praying. Paced around the room. I wasn't alone. I wasn't alone whatsoever. I felt alone, but I wasn't alone because he reminded me of who he is and how good he is. The, the disciples need this then, and we need it now. This is where we see a, a, a seismic shift beginning to happen uh, in the relationship with Jesus and his disciples and in this portion of Scripture in light of what's about to happen in Jesus' life, death and resurrection. I want you to understand something before we read the scriptures that this may be so difficult for you in your life, this, this feeling that you're going through, but you, you, won't, you won't die in this, but you may die through this. And this is the key for us when it comes to death, is death in us is life in Christ. Okay, and that's really hard to get because we, we want everything to be perfect, we want everything to be in line, but that's not always possible. And we see this in the disciples' lives, all that they went through as we read all the scripture, you won't die in this, but you might die through this. John 14, 30 through 31. I will not speak with you much longer, for the prince of this world is coming. He has, he has no hold on me, but the world must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what the Father has commanded me. And he says these words. They may, they may seem insignificant, but they're important. He says, come, now let us leave. Let us leave. This is uh, the end of chapter 14, and the beginning of 15 comes just after that. That's where you see the portion of Scripture of the vine and the branches, right? Do you remember that? We've talked about it a lot here. 
You heard it even just a couple weeks ago. You get this visual that Jesus and his disciples are getting up from the table. This is what some scholars believe. They're getting up from the table saying, look, things are changing as in right now. Come on, let's go. Where are they going? To the Garden of Gethsemane by way of the Kidron Valley. And you see this understanding when you talk about the vine and the branches. I love reading scripture like this. You picture Jesus walking with his disciples and talking to them. And he's like, I'm the vine and the branches. They're probably walking through a garden. They're probably walking. They got out of the, the, the safe setting uh, where they were having this Passover supper. And then they got out and they started to move in the direction that Jesus was going to have to go in, but also the disciples themselves. Do you understand what I'm saying? He was going to his death. They were going through to their life. I can picture him. So he's walking with them. And you get this visual. That he's like, I'm the vine, I'm the branches. And, you know, I can picture one of them just like, you know, Philip, you know, he, he's just asking questions and Thomas is doubting. He just picks up a piece of the vine. He's like, yeah, that does make sense. I'm the vine and the, you got to live in and through me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. The seismic shift happens as they walk. And then we hear these marvelous words. Are you ready for some good encouragement? Do you want some good encouragement? Okay. If the world hates you, this is getting good already. <laughs> Keep in mind, it hated me first. If you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. He's talking to his disciples here. That is why the world hates you. Remember these words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name. For they do not know the one, capital O, who sent me. When we follow after Jesus, we find hatred. But then you talk about how they should love one another. and they'll know you. Exactly. And that love that you have for one another in the world's eyes will be turned for hatred because of the one you represent and the love that you carry. But that's not fair. You're right. That's not easy. Correct. Do you want anything else you want to get right today? I'll give you a sticker. You know what I'm saying? This isn't, that sucks. It's terrible. I'm done. I'm leaving. I'm going back. I'm going home to turn on Joel. Joel will encourage me. You know what I'm saying? I'm done with this, which I need to listen to him sometimes. I can tell you that much. How in the world do we combat this hatred that we see around us? How, how can we handle this stuff that is always swirling in this Thanksgiving season? How am I going to, be, how am I going to have an attitude of gratitude when I got hatitude happening all around me? Because hate is going to hate, hate. I'm kidding. That's a culture moment. Brought to you by kidding. We have to be reminded through the Holy Spirit. That's what he does. He comes into our lives in that moment. Hallelujah. Into our lives. Go ahead. To remind us, think about it, to remind us of who we are in him. That we are to love. And I love this here. Listen. Therefore, Colossians 3, 12, 12 through 14. Therefore, as God's chosen people, sometimes you wish he just wouldn't choose you because when he chooses you, it's like, oh, well, there's the target. Okay. 
uh, holy and dearly loved, and sometimes you feel like you want to call him a liar at that moment, okay, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Have some fruit of the Spirit in your life. Bear it with each other and forgave whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Come on now. If you got grace, give grace. You know what I'm saying? And over all these virtues, and this is this, the bold. I love how Jesus just boils it down kind of thing all the time. You know, in our hearts and in through the Holy Spirit, speaking to, to folks who, who author these scriptures. Oh, above all things and over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Every morning, just like you put on socks, hopefully, and other types of things that are necessary, put on love. But do you know my situation? No. Do you know how I've been hated and I've been hurt? No. But you have a choice to put on love. You have been given grace Freely give grace, put on love. But you don't know my family. I don't. You don't know. I don't. And I care. I do. But I've had to deal with it myself so that I can put on love. I want to put on a punch sometimes. I want to put on a drop kick, a throat punch sometimes. That would be fun. A good kick in the shin will do you well. Put on love, Justin. Right? I want to put you on blast. Put on love, Justin. Right? Do you ever feel that way? Especially when you're sitting at the table with those people you love so much at home. <sighs> Uncle Floyd's here. Put on love. That and Barry Manilow, that always makes him happy. I'm kidding. Put on love. Put on love. Put on love. They will know who you're connected to by the way you love them. Come on. When you grab that little Starbucks with soy instead of whole, they're going to know that you love them. Do you know what I'm saying? It's the little things that let people know that they're loved. It's hard. Because in this life, people don't do the same. In this life, people are hurtful. Put on love. Matthew 5, 43 through 45, you have heard it said that it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your father in heaven so that you can look just like Jesus. Put on love. Pray for your enemies. Pray for those that persecute you. Pray for those that talk. Put on love and pray for them. Because I can tell you when you pray for them, the Holy Spirit, the one who's your counselor and your friend who walks with you, will say and do something in their life that you could never do. The only thing you can do is put on love and pray for someone. Put on love and pray for someone. 1 Peter 2.12, Live such good lives among the pagans, just among regular folk, um, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day he visits us. Live in such a way... I just every single day in such a way that anybody looks at you and be like, wow, I just watched what that they went through, their family situation or that breakup or that, that job promotion or whatever. You know, I don't know. And the way they handle things, they put on love in the situation. Something is different. Something's different. What is it? 
You want to live in such a way that people question you for the good, right? Versus for the bad. You want to live in such a way that you carry his name in such a way that they say, what is it about you? You just got the most negative feedback from our boss ever known to mankind, and you just smiled. Are you okay? Do you need some medicine kind of thing? Because you know what they just said. I hear what they say, but I know who I am in him. I'm putting on love, and I'm going to choose to love back. And if there's any truth in it, I'll be better. You know what I'm saying by this? Put on love. One leg at a time, just like everybody. Put on love. Clothe yourself in it. When we respond in such a way as we follow Jesus, we find this. We find wholeness and peace. There is nothing better again. Mm, come on, than that full belly after Thanksgiving. I'm, 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 I wish we made a turkey dinner right now. Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. Because I want to be, be whole. I want to be complete. I want everything in place the way that it should be in this world where I experience hatred, where I experience hurt. And you know, when I, I, these guys, these disciples, they're like, how in the world, Jesus, are we going to find wholeness when you are leaving? Think about it. They're walking now. They're out of that comfortable place. And he's like, all right, guys. It's time to get out, of the, get out of the nest. It's time to jump. It's time to, and he's like, wholeness and peace. You're going to, they're like, what? You're a liar. I mean, I, you never know. All that didn't make it. And they probably didn't want to sound too bad. You know what I'm saying? I thought everything was going to be great. I thought, again, you were going to set up this kingdom and we were going to have peace. And, oh, it's going to be beautiful. You're rolling? How am I going to have wholeness and peace? In this moment, how do we do it? As Jesus is walking and talking with his disciples, we observe the fact that Jesus is about to leave for real, like for real, for real. And he's speaking with them about this in chapter 16 and how the Holy Spirit will be with them. And that's really time for them to start living in this way. It's hard for us to understand that what God's plan is for our lives is to fill us with his spirit. It's hard for us to understand because I have never high-fived the Holy Spirit. Has anybody high-fived the Holy Spirit? If you have, you've probably been to that service where they were barking too um, and where just the list goes on. I have never high-fived, but yet he's the one that's going to make me whole? I don't get it. I don't understand. It doesn't make perfect sense. John 16, 23 through 24. In that day, you will no longer ever you ask him anything. Jesus is speaking. I tell you the truth. The Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. You won't ask me, but you'll ask in my name. Until now, you have asked nothing for anything. Excuse me. You've asked for, you have, until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete, whole, whole. Things got to change for us to be whole sometimes. Things got to hurt for us to be whole sometimes. We got to feel like everything we were banking on is gone so that we can be whole sometimes. You're not going to die in it, but you'll die through it. And through your death, you become whole in him because he fills you with his spirit. Think about that. The Spirit of God, 100% God in you. Think about that. Isn't that like, what? 
I was banking on Jesus with all this stuff. And then all of a sudden he's like, well, I'm going to give you somebody else. No, I want you. I want you to stay here. We get selfish. I want you to walk with me. I want you to show me some cool stuff. I want to see some more miracles. I want to go camping again. And you're stinking leaving? That's not the way I picture this thing to work out. You know what? Friendship, divorce. We're done. Jesus is like, look, it's not that. God's plan was for me to come to give you a glimpse of who he is, to be who I was supposed to be, but to give you someone else so that you can be who you are supposed to be. Whoa. Think about that. We always think of the Holy Spirit was, I should have bought a Honda, but I bought a Toyota. No. I'm being for real with this. He's here to fill you, to counsel you, to walk with you, to be with you so that he can help you, so that you can be whole. All the other stuff will happen according to his plan. But he wants to fill you completely so you can be whole, so that you can have joy, which denotes peace. You know what I'm saying? But we don't like that. That's not comfortable. That's not exciting. That's not very sexy. No, it's not. I don't like that. I want everything to be just easy. I wake up in the morning, everything, coffee just starts right at 6.30 a.m. I get up, <sighs> good morning, God, you know, and I just open my word right in the middle. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? In this world, you will have trouble. Welcome to life. 6.32 a.m., you missed the alarm, the coffee didn't go off, you can't find your Bible, you don't want to read your Bible because you're too ticked off because you don't have coffee in the morning. You're like, oh, my goodness, he's reading my mail. <laughs> reading all of our mail. We need the Spirit of God. Because sometimes the coffee just ain't going to make it work. I could use some more right now. Coffee assistant, you ever watched uh, Fast and Loud? He's throwing something else, but coffee assistant would bring coffee, not Miller Lite. Um, that would be good. I start swirling. We need him like crazy. Because whenever this stuff starts swirling around you, what are you going to believe? We're going to believe. Right? Are you really going to dig into the word like you should, like I know I should? Or are you going to listen to the Spirit of God inside of you when He says, Peace be still? Come on now. Get down off the ledge. Don't be crazy. It's a mental ledge, if you know what I'm saying. Stop thinking that way. Don't know. Come on. Okay. Rubs your back a little bit. Talk to me. Oh, really? He's thinking you're an idiot, but oh. Mm -hmm. The Spirit of God, he's a good father. He wants to listen to his kids. Spirit of God. Spirit of God. He's necessary. He's essential for this life. I am so thankful for him. A lot of times we just categorize him as an it and just throw him out with the bathwater. He's, he's real. He's relevant. He's here for you. We can't miss the opportunity. So things begin to get real for Jesus and their disciples. Really, really real. To the point where he's about to be betrayed. He knew it was going to happen. You know, things are going to escalate quick. Of course, Jesus knows. Peter's going to deny him. The, you know, when the shepherd gets struck, the flock scatters. He knows all this stuff's going to happen. He sees it all. He knows it all. Yet he still loves them. He still invests in them. He still wants to be with them because he knows that they are the ones that would get this thing rolling. They are the ones that would move the church 
forward. But it happens by this, when Jesus said, you believe at last. Finally, you believe. I had to get rid of all the the crafty speech and understanding and tell you that you are the church. I'm going to use you. There's going to be great things. You finally believe at last that I am who the Father says I am, that he's done. But you finally believe. But a time is coming and has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home. You will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Matt, if you want, bud, you can start to come up. Do you ever feel like that's not going to happen? Like, Jesus, that was probably one of the best speeches you've ever given. That's legit, but it's not going to happen. You don't know the gravity of my situation. You don't know my circumstances. You don't get it. You were there then. This is now. Okay, I get the whole person of the Holy Spirit thing and, and who he is. And that's not true. That's not true. Because I have experienced, and this is what Jesus wanted them to remember, what they had experienced with him. And me personally, I remember that the only way that Jesus overcome is by the blood of the lamb, which isn't some crazy, scary thing. It's Jesus, the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony, what he's done before. And there's no way that I'll have the strength to do that unless I allow the Holy Spirit to help me. For that, I'm thankful. For that, I'm thankful that regardless of what swirls around me, I'm going to be okay. For regardless of what I feel, I'm going to be okay. For regardless of what people say, I'm going to be okay. Regardless of what people do, I'm going to be okay. Why? Because I am in the Father as Jesus was too. How? Through His Spirit. This isn't some fruit loopy. This is real life. This is Scripture. My challenge to you this morning In lieu of receiving the attitude of gratitude that you need and and desire in your life, is to allow God in. The challenge is to truly, truly, finally allow God in. You understand what I'm saying? We kind of started it after worship with the Spirit of God coming in and breaking down those walls in your life. But to really, truly, because look, He wants to give you something to be thankful for. Again, this holiday can represent a lot a lot of different people and it's just the beginning of the end because Christmas is right after but this year let it be different receive the greatest gift you could ever be given the gift of Jesus Christ and what he affords to you and how he makes you this co-heir thing which means a brother or sister in Christ and that Abba Father, Daddy's your daddy too and you get the same rights and, and this understanding that you're going to do greater things than your, your brother Jesus did. Or your, you see what I'm saying? You think about it that way. Why? Because of the Holy Spirit, the fullness of God's Spirit in you. And because you're broken, I'm broken, we're broken and He loves to use broken people to do great things. Because it's the fullness of His Spirit and no one else gets credit but Him. If you did a survey of my life, and if you talked to all the people that I grew up with, 
you probably would blush of all the stories that would be told. Justin Myers, I remember, oh wow, he's a pastor? It took him about 10 years to really believe that I was going to do it. Yeah, he did it. But God, because Lord, you know what I'm saying? He just loves that kind of stuff because it's where he can be on display in your life. Why? Because he wants to be a good father to others too. That's the way he works. He's good at taking broken things and putting them back together. He's good at helping us overcome. So what I want you to do today um, is number one, uh, we're going to respond in a couple ways. Make sure that you do have that relationship in place. What does that mean? Forgiveness, right? Just asking for forgiveness. Like, God, I know I've done something that separated me from you. I don't know exactly what it is, or I know Ignis. It is. Please forgive me. Let me walk with you. Okay? Forgiveness. Maybe rededication. God, uh, I've strayed a little bit. Help me get back on. I, mean, I want to rededicate my life. I want to realign my life, okay? But then also, if there's something that you feel like has walled you in, right? And you know the Spirit of God needs to break it out, right? I want you to be an, an overcomer today. I want you to, to take the testimony of what He's done before and let Him do it again. And there's something about worship that enables that to happen. Because what we do in that moment, we identify beforehand what's going on, and then we identify who He is, and then it's gone. Because we're, we're, we're expressing his value to our lives, his worthship, right? His worth. And that's what's so important. So if you feel like for yourself it is important for you to get your relationship right, if you feel like that's the most important thing, I want you to do that. And simply, God, forgive me. Let me walk with you. Let's move forward. Get involved with the Connect group because that's the next step for you. Get involved with some of us here so we can help you. But also, I want us to, to stand in victory after I pray. Because that's how we will overcome. And I want you to have a solidified moment in your heart that this Thanksgiving, I will be thankful for, boom. And this is why. Regardless of what people say about you, regardless of what you felt, regardless of the walls that maybe even others have put around you, I will be thankful for this victory through God's Spirit. The fullness of His Spirit. Are you with me? Does that make sense? Three responses. First time, do over, freedom, overcome, okay? And when I'm done, we're just going to stand and worship together when I'm done praying. And you respond in that time, okay? So let's pray. God, we thank you so much. God, as I walked around this room yesterday and I was talking with you, and God, when I, I couldn't articulate words and... and I felt you just invade my life and your presence invade this place, God. I could see, God, really the change that you have brought and the change that you are bringing to people's lives because of their hearts and their desires and the choices they make in these moments. God, and you took me back to that time when this room was a bunch of different rooms and it wasn't a sanctuary. It wasn't a place that was reverent or holy in our minds. It was just another meeting space in the bottom of an architectural firm. But God, you have made this place special. Why? Because the people who fill it. God, as I prayed, I looked at the faces of the people that are in these seats every single week. And God, the stories that you reminded me of, of the change that you're, the, how they're overcoming 
by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, how they share what you are doing in their lives and lives are being changed and there's a ripple effect in this community, God, because of what you're doing in these moments. So God, I pray today will be another one of those moments. Set the table that God, these lessons that we have learned from the Last Supper, as you set the table, God, let, let the table be set again here in this place. Let us have the hard conversations that we may need to have with you so that we can come out of this thing better, that we have grown, that we have given forgiveness, that we've accepted your grace, that we are given your grace and we are filled with your spirit. God, we pray that it happens today. Today is different from any other. So God, just in this moment, pray, Lord, if there is anybody that, that does need to give their lives to you just for the first time, that your Holy Spirit would just rip, let them feel your love and your, your mercy and your forgiveness. God, that they will feel your presence. That they will feel your conviction that leads to love. And they will grow in you. God, if, if any of us need to, to re-up our faith, today, God, is the day that we allow you to bring the change. And God, for whatever it may be that we need to overcome through you, God, let this moment be the moment when we are changed forever. We are healed by your spirit, that we are made new. So God, we ready our hearts to worship you. you guys to stand with me this morning. I just believe in this moment that there's been a seismic shift in your faith. This moment that, that Jesus said, come, let's, let's go. It's time to move. It's time to change. And I feel like there's been that in your life. And my challenge for you is to, to express God's value and his worth through this moment, but also to make sure you tell somebody about this. Me or one of our, our staff that, that love and care about you or just your neighbor that's sitting beside you, tell somebody what God's doing. Don't be afraid to share it because there's power in your testimony of who you were and who you are and who he's going to make you to be. But just to conclude, we want to worship bless you and tell you happy Thanksgiving. If we can be of any assistance or anything you need, let us be there for you. Starting here today, because I'll, I'll be right here waiting if you need someone to pray with you or folks in the Connection Center that'll pray with you. Just a conversation. Anything you need, just let us know. Okay? So let's worship.